eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. First time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like, it is sure. Yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from the Mud and Callahan Show. What a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. He's the killer. Yeah, yeah. He's a man. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Wise Snacks and by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. He's swing, you know. We got a lot of losses. To yeah, we got a lot of losses. Lace them up for some Bees Talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. For the third time since 1992, the Boston Bruins are on to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's such a big event. Matt Kalman is in for a weekday edition of Sunday Skate, the podcast. We're also usurping Zero Pucks Giving uh, uh, on the channel and putting our uh, podcast on Dale's podcast oh, channel. Oh, jeez, he must really be happy about well, that. Well, he doesn't know it yet, but he's going to find oh, out okay. uh, you know, secondhand through the wind. Yeah. Anyway, so. Well, we had to record this because you know, I heard this morning Jerry Callahan said I had no personality, so I had to come in and make sure I mark my territory. Well, in defense, he said all of us, all yeah. three of us. Oh, all right. Because uh, they want to have, have a Patriots tight end on every, in every show? Yeah. Is that how it goes around here? Yeah, Wiggy's the party starter, so he's going to be <laughs> with us. Uh, this Sunday for two hours, but uh, hey, the Bruins win. They win it in six games. Matt Stradamus is here. He wants to praise himself, even though before the playoffs, he predicted Columbus-Winnipeg in the Cup Finals, and he won't bring that up today. But go ahead. I'll let, oh, yeah. I'll, I completely after, forgot about after that. After chopping your I'm knees, I'll, I'll allow you now to praise yourself. I'm glad you remember that. I don't remember that. Who, do you have any proof of that? Well, that was a preseason pick. It was a preseason pick, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I, got, I came closer than you probably thought with Columbus when you, earlier in the year, for sure. You did. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know, after doing Sunday skate this week and talking about the, uh, coming up game six and Torts obviously panicking with his guarantee and then throwing this is before, you know afterward throwing the the, the shade at, at Tuca, but you know you just looked at the at the game and you uh, rewatching that game five you could really see that the Bruins had pretty much solved everything Columbus had in the tank as far as their attack um, handling their defense and and clearly handling Bobrovsky which we didn't know if they were going to be able to do and. Brandon Carlo predicted it after Game 3, and I pretty much predicted it after Game 5 that they were going to close this out, and they, they proved me right. We'll get to Marchand here in a minute. Uh, a couple things stand out. First of all, Columbus finishes 0-10 for 10 on the power play. For yeah. a while in the middle parts of the series, it was a special team series. They were like kind of stalemated everywhere else. What happened there? Just Brandon Carlo being Brandon Carlo? Tuca? Uh, yeah, exactly. They, they Well, Tuca for sure. Yeah. We know that. But then, you know, the... the uh, the defense and everyone kind of stood up. I mean, even with Achari coming out, you know, guys like Nordstrom, who people were 
criticizing all year long. Why is he in the lineup? These are the times of year where guys like that stand out, and whether it's him or at, at, on the PK or Bacchus five on five now. Uh, you're getting the contributions from the guys that were were being criticized all along, and it's great to see. And there's clearly a strategic um, maneuver there by Bruce Cassidy. That, you know, the earlier in the year when they were having the injuries on defense, normally you would think, "Oh, I'm going to pack it in and be conservative." They got more aggressive with their PK, and they were able to survive having all those defensemen out. Well, this time around, they maybe had fallen back a little bit in their aggressiveness, but here they were in the, in the against Columbus. They decided to attack them the way Columbus was attacking their power play. And, and I, you know, Tortorella didn't adjust, or, or somebody in Columbus, whoever's coaching that power play. We've, we've been crushing Cassidy yeah. for lack of creativity. Yeah, there the was no, power play. There was hardly any creativity yeah. there. I mean, they were just mostly you know dump and chase. They were having tough times with their entries, and uh, the Bruins really, you know, put, put forth more of a, a grinded out effort there. And they shut out for the series. Camp Atkinson, hmm. Josh Anderson. Uh, Bjorkstrand, Felino, these guys had zero goals yep. in the season. Yeah, you know they series. they were getting a little more friskier in, in Game Six, and, you know, and early in that Couple game, posts, exactly. You know, yeah. And when if that game, if those posts go their way, and that I, I was be very worried about a game. As much as I predicted Game Six, the Bruins would win. I don't know if if they lost Game Six, if I would have had them in Game Seven. The way these players were coming on, the way the Bruins' first line had to come on when uh, they were struggling earlier in the series. In fact, the the one Anderson it went off the crossbar, I guess. 13 minutes to go, third period. Mm. This is still a 1 nothing. The one game. Tuka got a piece Anderson's of Anderson's fallen down. I don't know how much of it he got. Yeah. It, it looked on the replay like he got enough of it. That, right. that is the save of the game. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe the series. Right. Well, there's been a lot of saves like that, I think, uh, you know, especially in that game five. That uh, you look at game five, it was basically the Tuka show, especially down the stretch there in those closing seconds. I mean, McAvoy gets a lot of credit for that block shot, but uh, there were some ridiculous giveaways in that game, and that's one where you say, do the Blue Jackets look back on that this summer and say, what the heck happened there? How they really let them off the hook. Yeah, Char, exactly. Char was awful in some of those sequences. <laughs> right. Right, and Marchand, too. Marchand had, you know, 13 seconds to go. He doesn't get the puck right. out, and uh, and McAvoy's got to come through. So, team effort, to be sure. I mean, early in the series, you had Coyle and Johansson. Yep. Middle of the series, the top guys got going. And then Krejci. Uh, and then Krejci and, and uh, even, Amazing. The, you know, DeBrusque and, and uh, Bacchus chipping in. So that's what it takes to win playoff series. Obviously, Marchand in particular, though, <laughs> was quite a uh, quite a story in this series. In round one against Toronto, you would have thought he would have been more on display. You know, know. They're, they're playing a Canadian team. You you know, we going back <laughs> to the regular season. You were ripping David Schultz and, exactly. and these guys in Canada for uh, pearl clutching, but he kind of kept his behavior yeah. in that series. You know, I kind of feel guilty because after that series, before this Columbus series started up, I said, well. Except for the fact that Charlie McAvoy had two fights in his career. They were both against Columbus. There isn't really much of a Boston-Columbus connection here. What's going to fire these guys up? And will Marshan be able to play without having that extra fire under him? But then, And he even said, well, you know, guys like Dubinsky and Jenner, they're going to be there. They're going to try and do that. And next thing you know, he's snapping Cam Atkinson's stick. And uh, the whole country of Canada is going nuts. And next thing you know, he's giving Harrington a bop on the net. And people want to put him in jail. And <laughs> here he is. Well, Marshan went with the Marshawn Lynch approach at the postgame for people that you know yep. have, have probably heard it by now. First with Sportsnet and Kyle Bukowskis, who's their on-ice reporter. Thanks, Jim Brad. You said after the third game of the series, there's no panic in the room. What can you say about the way your group handled the next three games and ultimately advancing to the conference final? We did a good job. No, Tuka Rask was saying... This core isn't getting any younger. What do you make of the opportunity that lies ahead of you? It's been fun. So I see where this is going here. I'll ask you one more about your line. It got back together. You had said the chances over there were just starting to bury it these last few games. What kind of zone are you three in? We're good. Thanks. 
Well, that was worth it, Jim. And then he did it with yeah. you guys right. in the dressing room afterwards. Why well, the short answers, Brad? Excellent. How good does it feel? Uh, it's been a while since you guys have been to the conference finals. How good does it feel to be there? It's good. Where'd you get that outfit? China. What was the difference for us being down 2 1 in the series to winning the last three? We won. When 2K is part of the way he is, how much does that help you guys up the time in terms of what you're doing? Yeah, what time? Do you uh, have a bet on how few words you're going to say in this? Maybe. <laughs> What's been able to separate the way you guys have played on the road in the playoffs? I don't know. Anybody say anything interesting to you in the handshake line? Nope. You feeling a little crispy tonight? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Why is that? It's because. I had no idea. I guess this all starts from the skate incident, right? Like he right. was upset well, that's just it. about the. There was, on the one hand, it was obviously kind of unprofessional. Your your guys warming up for the playoff game. You know, a playoff game is a totally different animal. You, you know, I have things that I want to ask some of the players about that don't have to refer to the games or the sport at this point. Yeah, but you don't you don't do that now. Whether it's a practice or a pregame skate or anything in the playoffs, you let them be in playoff mode. So whether this Kyle guy has a relationship with Brad or not. To think you're going to throw a joke in at him while he's warming up 40 minutes before a playoff game is kind of ridiculous. And then when he does that skating off, obviously he's ticked about it. If you don't have time between then and the next time you see him to, to touch base with him and, 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 and figure that out, how do you then request him as your post game? <laughs> well, part of it's Martian's fault because toward the end of the season it was wacky Brad where he was you know yeah. he was Mr. Jokester on Twitter and well, he, he always and absolutely back and forth. so you you feel like he's always open yeah but to, playoff to, playoff mode is different especially for someone who's not around the team all the time I mean but like I said no one should be joking around with these guys they, they you have to let them initiate it at this point of the year you don't do that especially right before a game so fine but yeah he left so he left it he he got his little bit of revenge there with the short uh, interview yeah. and you know uh, the this Kyle guy he he did a good job of, of brushing it off. He had that yeah. great line that said, you know, I get, that I was know, really I worth it. I know where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it was fine. What I don't understand is then he does this Marshawn Lynch thing, like you said. It's not a that big of a deal. I mean, if I was there, would I be pissed? Of course. I mean, I've actually been in that situation numerous times. Oddly enough, uh, I was a young reporter, maybe one of my first Red Sox games ever, and, and Nomar Garcia-Para pulled that same thing. And, the one-word uh, answers. And the Herald actually let me use – Right, uh, it was supposed to be a sidebar. It turned into kind of a column that no one is not usually allowed to write. Where I basically said that if he was so happy that he went four for six or whatever he was in that game, why did he act as if someone had run over his dog? <laughs> that was the famous lead. And so clearly, if you if you're there, you're going to be annoyed with him. But the people in Canada right now are acting as if he just spit on the prime minister or something. The guy actually went out there and spoke to the media, at least whether he was giving you good answers or not. This was his choice. When John Tortorella goes up to the press podium and calls people stupid, they laugh at it and talk about what a great coach he is. This guy goes out and at least, no, not necessarily disrespectful in the way that he wasn't insulting anybody. He just chose not to expand on his answers, and they're acting as if he uh, he killed somebody. He had a point to make. He got it across. I wonder if this continues into the next round. Yeah, it'll uh, be tough. It'll be tough for him to do that. It's going to be a lot of a lot of ac- you know a lot of access and a lot of asking for him. And for him to hold that up, I don't think, and I don't think the Bruins are going to let them do it, let him do it. Well, I think. was part of the factor the shot to the back of the head of Harrington too? Because I imagine, like, well, yeah, he even locally he got some heat for that. Sure, there I was mean, debate yeah. about it for it, sure. Even on Nesson, they were saying how stupid it was, which yeah. is which is rare. So yeah, I mean, clearly there's a whole thing. I think I think he's as opposed to most of these guys, he's reading some of this stuff. And I guess I just heard that he did have like a terse exchange after game uh, five, 
while he was at the podium with one of the reporters about uh, you know criticizing his game and waiting for them. So um, it's clearly not just a CBC thing with him right now. Yeah. Uh, you just have to wonder what what he thinks he's going to get out of it if he keeps doing it this way. I mean, mm. uh, but you know he, he's a guy who can't win either, right? Because like you said, he's he's on he's on Instagram. He's being funny. He's on Twitter. Him and Tory Krueger going back and forth. Everyone's loving him. People are, you know, most people with an objective mind are saying, "What? A, this is one of the elite players in the league right now." Yeah. Um. He's right up there, Hart Trophy candidate. And then no matter what he does, though, they're going to turn it back on him. You know, again, this this bop to the head thing wasn't worse than anything you see in any scrum in the playoffs. You watch uh, St. Louis and Dallas; they're creaming each other after every whistle. Yeah. And it's always a focus on him. And then even the stick snap thing, he he asked the question. You know, he answered the questions about it, made a joke about the skate sharpening. It should be done then. That's he. They keep trying to define him by these other things rather than the guy who's a hundred point player. Well, maybe Bruins fans should be happy. He's uh, ticked off and he's back into the ball, <laughs> right. ball of hate world. Tuka Rask, of course, the star of the series. Although afterward, when his interviews, he really deferred to his defense. He just talked yeah. about us defending hard. Well, so he's a team guy. He typically from that does that. I yeah. mean, that's that's. I don't know where this idea that he's some kind of selfish, you know, unthinking robot came from. I mean, when people say, "Oh, he threw his defenseman under the bus at the some games," well, he's asked questions about what happened in front of him, and so he tells you an honest answer. He's not going to say, you know, he never says, "Oh, I, I gave up this goal and I had no chance for it." He'll always say he has a chance to, to make to make the save, but clearly he dis- he breaks down the play in front of him and he and he tells it like it is. Most goaltenders do, and that's what you want out of these guys. He's one of the guys, and that's what he does. You know, if a skater, if if if, if Bergeron misses an open net or something, you know, Brad Marchand is not going to tell you that it was a tough player make an excuse for him. It's just the same way, and so. The guy is 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 certainly a team player, and clearly, you know, he's going to share the share it. You know, how many those two years where they didn't make the playoffs, and he didn't have any defense in front of him. You know, Chara was aging, and they didn't have any youth coming up behind him. Dennis Seidenberg skating on one wheel out there, and all these these terrible defensemen that are deteriorating before his eyes. Yeah, he had a lot to say about the defense because he wanted it to be better. Show me one goaltender. You know, Marty Berdour had Scott Stevens and Brian Rafalski, and you name it. Every great goaltender has a great defense in front of him. Which is, you know, even further highlighting the point that the Chara has had, for the most part, some you know tougher moments than we've seen from him ever in his career that I can recall. Yeah. Throughout a playoff series, he's not bad all the time, but you know, he's limited in certain aspects. And the longer these series go, the playoffs go, you do wonder if it's gonna, you know, age will catch up with him. But highlighting because of that, how important McAvoy, Brandon right. Carlo, certainly, in a, oh you know, uh, he's becoming emerging as a star, and uh, Grizzly, and even Krug. I was thinking about Krug. Yeah. He, he was. Active and he was very visible in Game Six, but this playoffs, he only has one goal. He he's not like a, a, a standout, right? But he's not been a liability. Well, that's either, just it. You're is, not you're you not know. watching a play at this point. Saying, oh, in fact, with all the six defensemen, you're not. Yeah, you haven't had one game where you said, "Oh my right. God, where's this gaff coming from? What kind of dumb decision was this?" So yeah, maybe a couple Clifton yeah. moments, but maybe a John right. Moore moment here or there. But exactly. for the most part, they've been rock solid. And, and I think with Krug, I think it's, it's a lot of it had to do with the opponent this round, and they're a tough team to kind of you know go crazy on because they're they're swarming at you the way they are, and so he didn't have a lot of space, and so he took the space that was given to him and became more of a. You know, Carlo obviously gets the credit for shutting down Panarin, but Krug is out there. Panarin has line mates, and it takes it takes a, a pair to shut down a a forward line like that. And so you go, um, you just say that you know, you look at it and say, maybe we're a shutdown pair at this point in this series because if if we if we shut this line down, Columbus isn't going to go anywhere. All right, now back to Tuca for a second, Matt. Do you want to respond to DJ Bean? Oh God, 
who put out on Twitter after the series clincher, how short is the leash on Tuka Rask? Question mark. An obvious shot at some pundits, and I, I'll fully admit you, you and I, and yeah, uh, uh, I own that. Were, were at the start of the postseason. I think it was a legitimate. We question We never then. once said Tuka was bad. Tuka was going to get. We never predicted Tuka was going to fail. Right. We said if Tuka is shaky, if Tuka has an off night. If the, the workload got to him, he didn't play seven games in a row in the regular season, I don't think. Yeah, why is that such a shocking so thing to So it's not ask a or... shot to say that the goaltender who led the league in goals against a save percentage for the first half of the season, who was signed here to be the number two, would get in there if there was a shaky moment. And, it, and I know I said it because people on Twitter confirmed that I said that, yeah, maybe he gets pulled in a game. He'll be back in there the next game. You did game. say that. Pete's, That's Pete, the way it Pete goes. and I took the other side of it. That right. It's, it's very possible they mm-hmm. would go with uh, – you know, with Halak, right. and, and I didn't rule that out either. I mean, right. if, if there's not, there's no shame in changing goaltenders in this day and age. And I think if you look at it right now, there are some teams, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, wish they had a backup that they could have turned to to maybe change the tide in the series. The Islanders probably think that they maybe should have switched goaltenders. Look what happened to them with Leonard, and they decided to stick with him. Yeah. Had, had to pull him in that game. This is a two, two, two goaltender league now, and if you have two goaltenders, you can use them both just like you would use all six of your D and all four of your forward lines. All right, so let's uh, go through the list of, uh, of other talking points now. The other uh, skepticism, I guess, was Pasternak through the middle point of this series. Right. Uh, there was a debate even in the game. He scored a goal and had an assist that, that early on the power play. Whether he played a good game or not, then sure. whether he was injured. The top line obviously had a, a terrific uh, game there in game five. Not so much visible in game six. But all in all, they shut down Cam Atkinson, another top line they went up against. Uh, are they playing best line in hockey level as they move on to the well, Conference Finals? I think it's all relative to the playoffs because, you know, just like these other lines are being shut down, they're being slowed down too, A, by the fact that they're focused on defense, and B, because these other lines are so good. And this is the way it goes in the playoffs. They're going to have these nights where they break out, and there's going to have nights where they're quiet, and you need to get the secondary scoring, and that's where the championship teams get their stuff from. You know, last year... Um, you can make the argument because Netsoff should have been the Conn Smythe. And going into the playoffs, who looked at him as the first-line guy, right? It was always Backstrom and Ovechkin, and then they make that switch, and, and he starts contributing. So you're and you're always going to get these contributions from other guys. We saw it 2011, Rich Peverly, when Nathan Horton went out. All these guys come through. That's the way it works in the playoffs. And I think they're playing top-level hockey for, you know, for a first line in the playoffs, absolutely. Although at a point in the series, it should not be forgotten, and I guess it right. will not be, that Pasternak was sure. demoted to line right. three. That was, that which was... is a significant move from Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, I mean, and, only, and it worked. only David Pasternak knows if that was the reason why he got going, but Bruce Cassidy, you can't fault him for trying. I mean, he, we, 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 like we said, we sat here criticizing Babcock for not changing anything for seven games. Bruce Cassidy juggled things up. Uh, Pasternak went back on the third line, on that first line by the third period of that game, and then looked like himself again a little more. So, obviously, it, it jostled him somehow. Officiating has dominated the NHL playoffs, not just Always does, right? this local. Well, I don't know, not to this extent. I mean, obviously, the oh Vegas incident God. was a, a major one, and San yeah. Jose is still playing, and they get got a Game 7 coming up. But the Bruins have been on the bad end of four calls <laughs> for the first two rounds uh, that have gone against them. Right. I don't really think any of them were uh, – Unjust, I guess. It's just you know, the bo- given the nature of NHL replay, yeah, the fact that they all went the other way, you start to wonder. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. if you're going back to the Hyman interference, the Hyman that seems pretty clear cut that they right. went the That's other the way. One of the, of all. Um, yeah, but obviously the, the the net and the the puck in the net is just by the rules. It's a dumb rule. The goalie interference last night early, the I think, with Nordstrom was pretty clear cut. Yeah, pretty clear. It was kind I mean, of he got pushed into him a little bit on right. the initial skate contact. Yeah, he probably could have got out of there quicker. And then, um, oh, the, go- the 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 Seth Jones goal. 
The Seth Jones. Yeah, goal. that we never saw the puck. I mean, I, we kind of saw the puck. Cassidy kind of threw it out there the other day that he still hasn't seen the puck in there. That's, that's his bitter oh, little, side. Little jab. But um, uh, you know, that's the that's another part of the playoffs, right, guys? I mean, I've written this a few times now. This team knows how to deal. You know, they talk about adversity during the season, blah blah blah. It's such a cliche thing. I, I tune it out. But at this stage, when you have all these things that do go against you, whether it's officiating or just these weird bounces, yeah, um, that they play through it is pretty amazing. Because I do love that Rick Nash quote. We at the end. Well, I think it was before Game Seven of the Toronto mm. series. He he told somebody from the Athletic, "What amazed me about the Bruins mm. being in there last year and watching them handle yeah. a Game Seven was just nobody was phased by it." Right. I think that speaks. Well, that's a lot just it. Them. I mean, you talk about San Jose Vegas, terrible call, terrible break for them, and they gave up. And they, yeah, right. four right. goals on the four five goals. minute. Right. So what the Bruins would that would not happen to the Bruins. Basically, they might give up a couple. They're they not did giving blow up a three one lead in the third period. <laughs> right. Exactly. Which well, was that's like, just it too. They, Whether they it was the game. third period of game five or the uh, first period of game four, mayhem, chaos, can't control it. It's not their style, right? But yep. they seem to th- actually thrive in it, which is kind of totally contradictory to what you think about with the Bruins. They don't want to play fire wagon hockey. Everybody going crazy, but. It seems to be working to their favor. Now, uh, to look ahead a bit here, because we've got Carolina coming up, and uh, as we tape this, we're not quite sure when the start times are, right? That's not right. really We're you? not sure about that. We're not sure about what Charlie McAvoy's status. And he's in so. the middle of his hearing, so whether he's out for a game or not, obviously that could be a, a big decision, you know, because if he's out huge decision. and they lose game one, think about the Columbus series when they took advantage of uh, the Jackets' rust. They won that first game, and that's obviously it proved to be key after they lost a couple to follow that. But be that as it may, uh, the Bruins are going to come in here as a favorite again. Right. It's a wild card team. A lot of people haven't really followed Carolina very closely. I'll consider myself mostly in that category. <laughs> Not as closely as Don Cherry, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't watch much of the Islanders series. You were a big believer yeah. in New York this year. Yeah, they just stopped and scoring. They totally stifled them. Two even yep. strength goals in four games Amazing. in that series. So. What is Carolina's identity? How do they match up well, with the Bruins? Carolina's going to be tougher because of the active D. You know, we talked so much about Jones and Wierenski and how they, much they dominated both sides of the ice for the Columbus Blue Jackets. But after those two, the rest of their D were stay-at-home D. They weren't pushing the play. Yeah, Kukan had a couple blasts, right. but that was it. And it, was, and it wasn't necessarily, you know, it was within the play, the cycle. It wasn't yeah. necessarily on the rush. And I think Jones, especially, he kind of tapered off toward the end of the series. Or it was really only Wierenski. I think he got fatigued. He was playing he thirty did. minutes a night. How, that, how could right. that not come back to play? Absolutely, you? and that's another you know fault on Tortorella, I guess, if you look at that. This figure he can't handle it. But this is a team with four or five guys that push the puck like this: Hamilton, Falk, Slavin, Pesci. They they all do it. And Dehan's like the one stay-at-home guy out there, and he he's moving the puck better. He's a physical presence. They have physical guys up front, Niederreier, guys like that that can uh, can crunch the body. So. It's a, it's kind of a you're going from Toronto's style to Columbus's style to this hybrid now. Can you adjust and figure out how to counter the the the, the, the combination of of the speed and the defense being active and the physicality? It, it's difficult, and it comes back to the goalies. If they can get to those goalies, that'll make it a lot easier. And you should be on paper, you should be able to get to these guys. Peter Morazic and Curtis McElhaney, who's 35 and won his last three. The first uh, playoff start he ever had, yeah. and he wins it, and then he, he rolls on to a 3-0 record with a 1-5-6 goals against average. So they have a choice as to who to go to, right? and this was a, a legit tandem for them in the regular season. And you hope that maybe that, even just that uncertainty maybe throws a, a wrench into the Hurricanes a little bit. They're so confident right now, but maybe there's a little bit of controversy swirling there. Maybe there's factions that maybe hopefully favor one guy over another, and maybe that kind of throws them off their game a little bit in, in addition to this week off they're going to have. 
Well, Dougie Hamilton will be the guy that uh, is taking a lot of the storylines to start the series, right? Dougie Hamilton, who uh, actually did his own uh, one-word answer press conference not too long ago when he was unhappy with a media member. Yeah, a Boston media member? A Boston or? media member, yeah. So. Oh, who was that? Do you want to expand on that? Oh, you probably could find him at the snack bar. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, he, he I saw him patting the head of... Uh, What's his name from the Islanders who had patted the head of one of their goalies in that oh, series? Oh, yeah, right. So, right. So Brock he was, Nelson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was feeling a little jiggy. And uh, <laughs> he's obviously he's an interesting guy. 2011 first pick of the Bruins, ninth overall. They trade him in 2016 to Calgary. They get yeah. three picks for him, right. which turn into players that have not yet seen the ice from oh, Boston. DeBrusque. Other than De- right. Oh, was DeBrusque in that? Yep, or was that DeBrusque, the Lausanne? No, DeBrusque, DeBrusque, Zaboro, and Sinishin. But those, all, all three, those were the three. Three in a row. But those all weren't oh, back right, in the right, Dougie right. Hamilton. I see what you're saying. Right, right. Because two of them were second. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you're saying. Sinition was the one right, that right. they got, okay. technically. I, yeah, I don't know which one is which from the. <laughs> anyway. Right. They got three picks for him. Yep. Uh, he eventually got shipped to Carolina. Right. He's got 18 goals this year, but, oh. I, but I noticed in the regular season, but I noticed in the uh, minutes in the postseason, he's not been their major workhorse. Right. Slavin and Falk have been the guys Absolutely. that get most that's, of the minutes. That's, that's the top pair there. And Dougie Hamilton, I think the, the world saw him bail out against Alex Ovechkin, and including Rod Brindamore, the coach there. And that's why he's kind of scaled back those minutes. And that'll be that'll be something the Bruins might be able to take advantage of. I mean, I'm sure... Uh, Doug, they'll be in Dougie's ear. They, I think the crowd they, will too. The crowd will absolutely be, and he might even get. He'll probably get booed. I mean, he got booed the first time he came back, but then he, he was with Calgary, so it was only one time. And now with Carolina, no one really cares, or at least didn't care until now. So I'm sure he'll be he'll be the the, the uh, focal point of the of the crowd and and the Bruins. Just based on that Ovechkin play alone, I'm sure he'll hear a lot about that. I'm sure he'll hear, he'll hear a lot about anything that he ever did embarrassing when he was here. Did he? Did we ever get an official why he turned down the Bruins offer? I think. More than anything, it was it was Claude. It was just guys being hard on him. He, uh, he you know, he, he didn't like Claude's the way Claude used him in the system. He didn't the like time. the way Claude used him in the system. He didn't like Claude's discipline. You know, I think uh, just a quirky guy. But he was always that's the that best way, way to explain. Right? He never really quite fit with his yeah. teammates. And you know what? Too, it's we, it's been it's not just him. There's been a few guys that just don't fit here personality wise. And it's not a knock on the Bruins at all. It's a knock on these guys that can't seem to. You know, bury their egos or their their quirks to fit into this group that obviously has had so much success. Has anybody publicly ripped him on the current team? Have like the Marchands, the Bergerons ever said like come out and said you know? Yeah, they stayed away from that. It was kind of more like along the lines of when Aginla went to Pittsburgh, where you know, well, you know, he didn't want to be here, and uh, we'll just prove him wrong. And so. Now they have the the best chance to prove him wrong, although (laughs) Calgary kind of proved them right also by shipping him out so quickly. Yeah, in a way they did. Uh, the two main fins on the team, and I know that's important <laughs> to you because you call them all marshmallow soft. That's right. Sebastian Ajo, their top line center, and Tuvo Teravainen, yep. uh, who was, I think, their second line right wing. Yep. Uh, Teravainen won a cup with Chicago and has been around for a while, 21 goals this year. And Ajo is a second-year uh, guy, 21 years of age, 30-goal season. He's amazing. Both play the penalty kill, too. So, right. I mean, these are two-way players, good players that are right. going to be— gonna Oh, they're, they're going to be dangerous, and that's where the <laughs> that first line, that Bergeron line, is really going to be a shutdown line against that guy because, uh, you know, he could go off, and we've seen him do it before, and uh, it's going to be difficult. Ajo has four goals in the playoffs. Warren Fogle, his left wing— yeah. Has five. There's another one. See, a guy that comes out of nowhere. Rookie, 23 years of age, second-year play, uh, 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 third-round pick, I should say. So, can Bergeron, is that the matchup? And do they get Ajo from well, start depends. to finish? And Justin Williams is also on the line. Yeah, I mean, they, they've player. been mixing up their top six a little bit. I mean, Williams was playing with Ajo a little bit. Then it seems like Teravainen and Niederreiter are the wings, and they just switch the centers here and there. So, it's... uh. 
because Jordan Stahl is, is revitalized. We can't forget him. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he might year. be the difference right now because who thought that he could still play this way? It's almost like his brother. When his brother was at the end of the Carolina stint, he thought he was done. He went to the Rangers. He wanted to stick a fork in him, and then they went to Minnesota and found his game again. This guy didn't have to change teams. He's just revitalized. He's, he's, he's top, only 30, but it feels like he's It feels like he's 1,000, exactly. Years, so, yeah. And so because he, you know, he, he won the cup and played all those games with Pittsburgh in those yeah. early years. Um He's been amazing, so it's, that's going to be another tough matchup. That'll probably be the Krejci matchup, or more likely the Corrali matchup, actually, than I think about it out loud here. Um, in fact, and that's Stahl be... was big. I covered the Penguins-Carolina yeah. series in 2009. They, right. they swept them in the Eastern Conference yep. Finals the last time Carolina was there. Stahl was very good that year right. for Pittsburgh in that series against Carolina. So sure. Now he's flipped the side. He's huge, and he's been great in these playoffs. He was actually uh, maybe the biggest difference maker among the forwards against the Islanders so um, you know they're, obviously they're deep up the, up top just like the Blue Jackets were and uh, they're going to have to you know I think the key here we keep talking about the matchups but I think yeah. the key here is that the Bruins have stopped worrying about the matchups the Corrali sort line of, although if Bergeron shut down Atkinson right as he did Tavares right well or you I know because the Atkinson was moving lines so I think Tortorella was moving them around so much that you really did stop kind of focusing on it. You, there were plenty of times where even Coyle's line, never mind Corrali's line, was out there uh, against one of the top lines. It had to do sometimes with face-off positioning and things. But Bruce right now, he's got the lines just like he wants, just like the way he probably drew them up when the playoffs started. And I think he kind of just trusts them all to do pretty much almost, you know 90% of every, of every uh, matchup. Michael Furland has been out for them. Now he's going to looks like he's going to come back. Yeah, how big of a factor that's, would he be? That's a huge factor because... I mean, it's hard to believe they've gotten this far without him. I mean, he was such a key player for them. I think he had almost 20 goals. 17, yeah. 17 in the regular season. And uh, the the consummate power forward, remember with trade Dunn, we were talking about how he was one of the guys that maybe the Bruins, uh, the really. Bruins or any of the contenders would take a run at. The, the Maple Leafs certainly could have used him. Other teams could have used him. And uh, and he had the hit on Johansson, which knocked him right. out right He away. only got hurt because he had to defend. And everyone said David Backer shouldn't have fought. And look what they did. He knocked Froen out. So... And it, end, it might end up paying off because maybe he's rusty coming in here. Maybe he's still banged up. Is there a little emotion there? The Bacchus Furland? Uh, yeah, I'm sure there will be. I'm sure, I'm sure these things don't get forgotten. I mean, we know in the playoffs they don't uh, necessarily target each other for fighting-wise, but there'll definitely be some looking out for the numbers and looking to throw some big hits there, and there'll definitely be some emotion in that. The, the bottom two lines, I don't know these guys that well. Maybe you do. Lucas Walmark, a Swede. Third line center, yeah. Andrei Svechnikov, Jordan Martinuk. Well, Svechnikov, obviously, the first round pick, top three mm-hmm. pick last year, a guy with uh, a lot of offensive upside, a guy who in a different year would have been candidate, uh, you know, candidate for the Calder if it wasn't uh, all, you know, Pedersen all the time. And he had uh, 20 goals this year. Yeah, Walmark, I believe, is more of a checking type uh, defensive type third line. Yes, yeah, so I think Brock McGinn is the him. third guy on that line. Yeah, McGrin's, McGrin's got a little, he's got. Just like all the McGinn boys do, he's got that bulk and that uh, that tenacity up front. Greg McKegg, their fourth line center, had the game seven yeah. double overtime goal to beat the Capitals, right. the defending champions. Yeah, the fourth line gets a little vague for me, but uh, like you said, they contributed, so you have to pay attention to them. You know, them. just the fact they beat Washington, they were down 0-2 oh, in that series. Right. They tied it up, then fell behind, got bludgeoned six nothing. They're down three right. two. They come home and win a five two game, and then go to Washington and win that game seven in overtime. In double overtime. It's amazing. So this team obviously should not be taken uh, lightly, but it's it is hard to look at them and say um, the Bruins aren't serious right. favorites here. Well, you can particularly the goaltending right. edge, right? It, the Carolina's power play is not that special. They've been struggling actually. Uh, it's, a, it's a good defensive team, good PK. Like right. you say, they can play a little bit of both ways. 
But if the Bruins don't get past the series, it's a major disappointment, right? <laughs> well, I was just saying to someone else, it's not a major disappointment in the big picture because you, you want to go a round deeper every year. So you, that's what you've done, right? First, second, third round the last three years. But based on the, the way the chips have fallen and the fact that you didn't face Tampa, you're not facing Washington now, it is a huge opportunity here that they should take advantage of and not to disrespect the Carolina Hurricanes at all. But like you said, the, the Bruins should be seriously favored over them, and it should not be an easy series, but it really shouldn't be a long series either. Rod Brindamore is their coach. Uh, second year with them? He, it's First year. This first Peters, year. This yeah. is Peters year? was there, yeah. So – you know, it, I I know when they hired him, they the talk was this is a risk. Like he's unproven. Uh, he was an assistant for a long time. Yeah. But, you know, as far as a head guy. Yeah. But it seems like the team, his players love him. Yeah. Right? I mean, I had one mole in Carolina say that it was a great move because they knew that he'd have this rapport with the players, and that's nowadays that's like half the battle, right? To have the yeah. players play for you and go through a wall for you the way he does, and the fact that he was around the team, it's just kind of weird to see a guy that looks like <laughs> that he's been through the six hundred world wars. Yeah. And he has he playing in the NHL yeah. to put on a suit and be a coach. Other than that, it just it, he looks awkward. But there's no reason why he can't be a great coach, and he's done it. Uh, you know, other than that, you know, the the talk of the bunch of jerks from Don Cherry is going to be a storyline <laughs> in the series, right? I mean, now they're a bunch of front running jerks. Front running jerks, right? They, <laughs> but they that building's huge. They drew thir- nineteen thousand to fit in there, so oh they're into God. it now. And can we just say this about Cherry too? He, he he criticizes them that oh they better him and all of his you know apostles up there in, in Canada oh this the team shouldn't do this it's not right you're rubbing in the faces you de- you bef- better not try doing it in the playoffs so then when they don't do it in the playoffs he goes oh you see they knew they were wrong what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> they do it will with any chance they break it back out I I think they will at some point if they, maybe if uh, if he goes down there for the finals maybe they'll do something for him yeah, why, if they're gonna go all in they should really just keep embracing it right as long as they're selling t-shirts. Um, what else? I mean, anything else that's... Well, let's just say... Obviously, about, let's just talk about this McAvoy hate. We don't know what the decision's going to be. We're guessing yeah. a, a game, probably, minimum. I what think do you it's think? a game. It should be a game. It's a game. Not a vicious hit. and the, the, Not a vicious hit? Not not a vicious hit in the in the attempt. If you watch that play, and you watch the way the Bruins are playing defense right now, yeah. when they dump the puck at the Charles corner, which they're doing more and more, he needs to come over. He needs to make a hard play. Otherwise, that guy is going to get behind both of them and have a breakaway. Josh Anderson's a giant. Next to Chara, he doesn't look it, but he's a giant. He's a hard-hitting player. He's had no problem bopping guys in the head the whole series. Not that McAvoy was trying to pick the head. Right. He's coming in at that angle. He's coming in full speed. The guy's got his head down ever so slightly. I'm not saying it's – it's. I, I'm giving him a game because he made the head contact. But there was no intent. And so when you look at the rule, it's enforced properly, right? There's a minor penalty or there's a – Or a match penalty. Or a match which, penalty. Which is strange. They which is have crazy. A, they should there, have should, a... there, there should be a middle ground. Absolutely. But there's not. And so the refs enforced it. They, they left it up to Department of Player Safety to handle this now. And he's probably going to get a game, and it's unfortunate. But to say that, and obviously you saw in the handshake line, Anderson didn't look too annoyed. No, he didn't. But Felino w- was upset afterwards and yeah. said, "I'm not going to sit." You know, it's, he held his tongue. Well, I don't know what they want them to do though, because if, if it's a if it's a match penalty or it's a two minute penalty, and with nothing in between, you can't call anything more than a minor. Only there. call it a match. It's not, I mean, if, if that's all you're. If you call it a match, then you're saying that he really tried to hurt him, and you can't. It's it's a hockey play. Still, you're There's in not, control of your, yourself. The, the guy has the puck. And he's coming in at this angle, and they're both going at full speed. But a couple of tweeters said this, and I generally agree. The, the, the officials, although they're different every you know game, set the tone by not penalizing Anderson for the elbow to Bacchus's jaw, which was equally as egregious earlier in the series. It was pretty bad. That was also though a, a, a battle, and I'm not sure that it was Kukin. Actually, I'm not sure if he. Oh, was it Kukin? Yeah, I'm okay. not sure if he was intending to elbow him in the face either. You know what I mean? I, the, the intent is Matt Cook 
when he comes up. That's what I always think of. The guy comes up behind you and clobbers you when the puck's gone. Right. These, play, these plays are all— Last in, round, Nazem Kadri. Nazem Kadri, exactly. Come in fl- flying at you with a stick-up yeah. when you, you're not expecting it. These these are plays that are expected. I didn't really have a problem with them not looking at the, at the back of the thing. They called the two minutes, and they can't take a chance that if he comes back two seconds later— if you throw a guy out of the game, it's supposed to be for injuring the guy. If the guy just keep, doesn't miss a shift, then how do you well, justify that? That should matter. You, 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 it the, should. The league should not be looking at the in, the degree of the injury to, to, to hand out the, the justice. Rule. The, rule is, the rule involves the injury, the, just like the suspensions. They take it into account every time. Well, you're I'm gonna, not you're saying whether it's right or wrong. You know, it's just the facts. Okay, well, <laughs> if they lose McAvoy for yeah. a game— what is their what are the, well? Their options are John Morris, Stephen Camfer, and I think you probably go with Camfer at this point because whatever and Carlo bumps up to play with Chara, and Carlo plays with Chara, and probably Krug and Clifton, and then Grizzlick and, and Camfer, or you know you can miss a Maxis. Krug and Clifton played together a lot in Game Six, and they looked all right. You know, um, I think that calms Tory down also when he has to play a little bit with the kid who's a little bit rambunctious, and so it, it worked out fine. I think uh, for one game, if they 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 can survive it, you know, I mean. The, the way Carlo's been playing, and you're at home, so you can, you can control some of the matchups, and you just got to hope that Chara, um, you know, if he's playing with Carlo, he should be better, but although Carlo's not quite as mobile as McAvoy to get over and cover, you just got to hope that a couple of days off gets Chara's tank filled up again. Well, Chara has been so bad at points late in this series. People were, you know, some people were going to say he should scratch him, which is ridiculous. <laughs> But like I could see limiting his minutes, but but then when you there's look no at the options, do how do you do it? There's you know, no way, there's just no they, way. How and do you drop him even? I mean, he's got to play the with McAvoy. You, the only way you make up for it is have Charlie out there, and Charlie maybe isn't as focused on his own game. He's just, as he has to be to clean up what's going on over there. And I think there's no doubt that you have to assess what's going on here as the series goes on. You have to make other adjustments, and maybe at some point, um, depending on how. Lines are going for the Hurricanes. If it's Grizzlick and McAvoy more, or you just have to just do that and, and see how and just get by with it because you know Grizzlick was the best left D they had in Game Five, and that the fact that they almost blew that you long. hated the guy regular season, so <laughs> oh, you've I, come you've come around. I absolutely hate him. I can't possibly hate him. If I hate him, his father will put like will, will, <laughs> will kick me out of the garden. Yeah, but you were calling adamantly for a trade at the deadline for a, a Grizzlick replacement. Well, the, did you apologize to Sweeney today when you talked? <laughs> <laughs> I always apologize to Tom. What, did, what was he talking about? What would I have to apologize to him? I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be a Bruins honk. What would I be apologizing for? Yeah, not always. Sometimes you're cranky, Calvin. <laughs> but but what, what what did Sweetie, just state of affairs? Oh, yeah, it was just state of affairs. Uh, let's see. You know, He had no comment on McAvoy. He was just excited. Was thought the team was fantastic. Um, he and Yarmo went out to dinner. They detailed. <laughs> didn't, uh, want to take advan- didn't want to take any uh, victory laps over Johansson and Coyle when he was given the chance. I apologize, Don, for that. <laughs> I mocked them openly. Right, exactly. Uh, so, well, not Coyle so much, but definitely well, everyone Johansson. gets mocked. I mean, Peter Shirelli took a lot of heat for Chris Kelly and Rich Peverly at the time. I mean, they looked like nonsense. Rich Peverly had two goals or something in his last nineteen games going into the playoffs, and Chris Kelly had less than that. You know, these these things take time, and if the Bruins lose Game Seven. To Toronto, some of these things don't happen, and then it all looks bad, you know. So, well, the players can't look ahead, but I, I really, <clears throat> I'll admit to a little bit of ignorance with Carolina, but I think this is Bruins in five. I don't, I don't think this is a long series at all. Let's assume that's the case. Let's assume I'm right. There are four teams still left in the West as we record this. They're going to be a couple of game sevens. Is there an appealing or a not appealing matchup there? Even I mean, Sharks, Stars, Blues, and Avalanche. All those teams are tough, man. I just, I mean, maybe Dallas because I, I still don't believe in them. They still have, they have three defensemen they roll, and we saw that with Columbus. Now it didn't work you against go the Bruins. The, the Dougie Hamilton series to the Tyler Sagan uh, right. redemption. Well, that's story. the other part. I don't know how much that guy's going to be able to 
get his nose dirty in the playoffs, you know. So, but those are those are all tough matchups. I think maybe the Carolina thing is huge to get it done early, like you're saying, get it done in five because you're going to need to rest up for those teams. They're all brutal. They're all, they're all have their different uh, strengths and, it's, and they have physicality and they're and McKinnon's the best player in the league right now. So. I kind of think Colorado's going to win the whole West. I, I yeah. last night there that win. Uh, who knows? I mean, it could, you know, they've it, looked so good, but then they've also looked, looked bad at times. It's yeah. kind of crazy, but um, maybe San Jose because they're older and they're maybe more banked up at this point. And Jones seems to be vulnerable at times, although he seems to have gotten to act together. So maybe that's the one of the four goalies that you'd want to go at. Yeah. Uh, uh, St. Louis is tough, as you say. Yeah, I mean, St. Louis is just so heavy, and you know, with O'Reilly, and and, mm-hmm. and they have these third line. You know, they bring in, they put this Blake kid in there. Never played a playoff game in his life, and he scores a goal when he had seven hits or something. And yeah. so they're just so deep. It's amazing that they that they stunk for as long as they did. <laughs> yeah, during if, the season. And if the series is Thursday Sunday here, the Carolina series, right? Uh, afternoon game Sunday. That's what it looks like. Three o'clock, and then <clears throat> Tuesday Thursday maybe back. Yeah, to, in Raleigh. Back in Raleigh. Hey. Uh, in that case, we might have a Sunday skate and then uh, wrap up the series uh, a week from uh, Sunday, right? You know, there you, you have go. A chance to end in five. What do you think? What, how long does it go? Deep? Uh, six, probably, again. Now that I've seen them actually win a uh, a game six in the road like they did last night, yeah. I, I think they can do it. it it's, you know, it had been a while since they did that. You know, Full credit to Ty Anderson for looking that up on Hockey Reference, mm-hmm. that uh, they had lost like eight in a row or something like that, chances to close out in game six. So, um now that they've done it, I think they can do it, and I think the, the magic of the Hurricanes will run out. What will you be writing about the next couple of days as we get ready for the series? All the things that we've talked about today? Absolutely. And and obviously how they're going to make up for McAvoy missing and uh, what uh, if Char is going to be rested and ready to go and uh, more Pasternak. And I'm sure Brad Martian will provide us with dozens of words to write about. I hope so. You want to rip Dale before we go or uh, Jerry oh, or anybody? We, I mean, don't, we don't need to rip Dale. We're bumping him off the feed, off the that's podcast true. That's feed. True. So that's, that's the ultimate victory. That's enough. I'm going to uh, spike the football right now. All right. Well, we're locked in 7-9 to nine again this Sunday for Sunday Skate, the live edition. So you can reach us. You can reach Calvin on the text line, 3790-370. is just hyper-focused on the text. He Including you, it. Felger. Including you, Felger. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, we think Pete Blackburn will be in. He, he came halfway through the last week episode, but that's fine. He's, he's not getting paid at this point, so he I don't needs, blame he him. He needs to learn how to pull the all-nighter like I did. No, this week you could wear well-rested, actually. Yeah, I was, but, I mean, you know, a few weeks ago I was. And we might be the pregame show this week, so... Good stuff. Check out Matt Kalman on Twitter and at WEI.com. He is a machine there, and we will talk to you next uh, Sunday Skate Podcast, whenever that may be. We may do. The, you want to do another one after game one, or is that getting a little Yeah, or maybe even before that. We'll see how it goes. All right. Keep an eye out for it.